As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast right here on the Athletic Football Show. Coming out of Week 1, 2023 NFL regular season, I'm Mike Sando from The Athletic, along with Randy Mueller, the GM, the former exec of the year. Also from The Athletic, Randy, 2-0 and for you coming out of Week 1. I mean, it's just another week. <laughs> yep. My advice in a couple bucks will get you a coffee on any corner in Seattle, so That's I'm going right. to stick with that theory and see what what shakes out this week. I got to just say, every time we come on for the show, for, and I think it might be you, Mike, I, I'm giving you some credit here. I just get a smile. I, I enjoy doing the show. We've yeah. known each other for 100 years, but I really enjoy this part of my week. So I do get yeah. a little smile and uh, I'm anxious to talk about some of the topics we have. It'll be fun. Same here, you know, I love just getting into the season because, you know, I love the offseason stuff too. In some ways, the offseason can be for a while just as fun or even more fun. The draft, free agency, all the hope that flows from it. But then by the end of it, like the narratives just get so out of hand through camp that we're just ready to have some actual evidence, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and, and less conjecture and less prognostication yeah. sometimes. And, and yeah, I mean, everybody has their, hypo- uh, you know, all of their theories, I should say, for everything. And you're right, now we just get to say what we see. It's kind of like scouting. I, I used to tell our scouts all the time, just write what you see. It's not rocket science. Just write what yeah. you see. We'll figure out how it all comes together. If the body of work is big enough, guess what? We'll, we'll have a lot to go on. So... History speaks well, as to what the future holds. So here's some evidence we got Thursday night. Philadelphia Eagles, 34. Minnesota Vikings, 28. It's funny. We're going to remember last year weren't the Vikings, I think, 11-0 and in the close games, whatever it yeah. was, you know, one score games or whatever. And everyone said, well, that's going to even out. And it has evened out here in the first <laughs> two games. They've been on the wrong end twice. So yeah. welcome to the NFL, huh? Yeah, no kidding. I'll tell you what, there was a lot to take from the Thursday night game on both sides, really. And it, yeah. I don't know that I have explanations for it, and maybe that's what makes this so interesting. If you started with the Minnesota side, it always comes back to Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, he is a lightning rod of, of one way or another each week, and he threw for over 360 yards last night. But when I watch the game, it's kind of like the 
the baseball all-star that hits all the home runs when it's 7-1, to one, his team's trailing the 8th and ninth inning, and he hits a meaningless home run. That's kind of what a lot of the Kirk Cousins numbers do for me. They just, it's kind of like water off a duck's back. They, they don't mean a lot to me for some reason. But I see the pocket shrinking. I see the pressure the Eagles were able to put on him. And at times during that game, I found myself saying, gosh, this is too big for him. This pocket, is, he, he can't operate in this chaos in this pocket. He's not a big guy anyway, but then that gives me really a, a, a legitimate cause for concern in that, does this guy need a, a, a free pocket and a, and a clear path to all of his receivers all the time? I don't know. So I always, I, I'm a little betwixt in between on Kirk Cousins and, and that probably is his whole career, right? So it is, but so, so me, look, no one's hiring me to tell, evaluate their quarterbacks. Okay. They're hiring use, but I thought watching the game last night, I thought, now maybe this is relative to what the criticisms are of Kirk Cousins, which is that he shrinks in there. I thought he he stood in there uh, well enough. Uh, and I, I was actually thinking of this on them, this little counter. So he was 31 of 44, 364, four touchdowns. And it's really his numbers were about the same last week. And he's 30-something of 40-something, 350 yards, whatever. I wondered this, Randy, about their team. Because, look, we're never going to say Kirk Cousins is – uh, you know, in the top tier or anything like that. But this year he went into the bottom of tier two. I feel like he belongs there. How about this? Besides Justin Jefferson, the amazing receiver they have, what else? Let's just fast forward through this season and say he's not going to throw for 350 every game. But let's just say by the end of the year, Kirk Cousins has... 4,500 yards and 33 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, whatever. What have they got going besides Jefferson, Justin Jefferson that's better than Kirk? Oh, I hear you. And, uh, and on top of that, he's going to be a free agent. So I understand that. Yeah, like he's the best thing they got going besides Jefferson. Yeah, he he's won the award for best businessman in the history of NFL. I can tell you that right now. We all know the amount of money, yeah. and, and he just goes yeah. to the bank every week, right? So yeah. I get it, but I just don't know if I'd sign up for that long term. And, and if we don't pilfer this out of my GM notebook, we're going to talk about this later at some point, too, about yeah. what the options are for him and maybe with some other teams as well. So I don't know. I yeah. can't explain Kirk Cousins. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I felt, and I'll say this, I felt the same when he came out of Michigan State. I didn't know what to do with him. I didn't love him. I remember our draft meetings like it was yesterday. Yeah. There were yeah. people that rejected him, did, just didn't want any of what he was selling. But yet he goes in, what, the fourth or fifth round to the Washington at the time Redskins. And, and Shanahan's liked them then. And he obviously has had an unbelievable career. But that lightning rod yeah. evaluation or valuing of him has been him since he's 22 years old. It has. I think I've just warmed to him a little bit more. I mean, look, we. I think what hurt him about getting all the money and fully guaranteed is then then you become a target and people say, well, you're not worth it. Could right. Be, but if we yeah. just set if we just set that aside, and especially and we we will talk about this later in the show. There's a lot of really not great quarterback play in the league. Yep. And as I look around, I'm taking Kirk Cousins over a lot of people when I watch the other games. A lot of people. A lot more than you would think, probably, you know, when you really th think about it. I understand there's something missing, but uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that you to look up, and you're right, maybe some of those numbers are hollow, but to be 31 of 44 for 364 and four touchdowns, and then be <laughs> like, yeah, good. you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that may be the story of Kirk Cousins. 
Yeah, I just think we're all lukewarm on him. Still, uh, what would he have to do, Randy? You have to throw for five hundred yards, uh, seven hundred well, yards in a game, then we would give him his due. I hear. I you. mean, uh, I'm playing devil's advocate a little. No, but, I know uh, it. And then you watch the uh, quarterback show that was on Netflix this off season, yeah. and yeah. it's more of the same, right? I mean, this guy's anal in his preparation. He's completely over the top. He's wearing things on his head to, to, to fashion his brain to see things and process information and i mean he's doing everything he can right so god bless him i i have a hard time criticizing that i'm just like you're to yeah. answer your question i'm not sure i'm signing up for more of that i don't know it's, no, it's a I phenomenon i can't explain I was it thinking, i was thinking that too like the vikings are doing everything they can to extricate themselves from being uh, upside down with him right like right. they were kind right. of in this car loan that right. where the loan was worth more than the car, right? Yep, you, no you've doubt. been in that situation. We've all yep. probably been in that situation yep. in our lives where you're like, dang it, I got to get out of this thing before yep. I can start going ahead again. Right. But I'm just saying, Minnesota, be careful what you wish for because if I you know. take this guy away and we plug in 10 of these other quarterbacks that are playing or 15, you're going to be worse. This guy mm-hmm. can actually throw the ball accurately on time to, to somebody in an offense. Or you'll be dead wrong and draft Kellen Mond in the second round thinking you've got it solved. You know, which yeah, they did exactly. three or four years ago, and yeah. he's out of the league now. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. not an easy easy dilemma. Um, yeah. And, and so. to that end, the score in the game Thursday night, was it that close? I, I felt like the Vikings weren't in the game. It wasn't that close, but they lose by, what, six points? Well, if Justin Jefferson doesn't fumble the ball through the end zone, they get a touchdown there. I mean, yeah. I felt I felt like, so. you know, we'll talk about the Eagles too, but the, there was four turnovers in this game by the Vikings or – which they weren't all just amazing great plays by the Eagles. I mean, one, right. Justin Jefferson's scoring a touchdown. He's the best right. receiver in the league, practically, right. or he's one of the top two. That's just kind of fluky. Sure, he should do a better job of not losing the ball there, but I'll take the ball in his hands going towards the goal line any day. Uh, that was a yep. good play for them. So uh, a lot of things had to happen there. What else do you got from this game? Well, I think the other angle, and you mentioned it, is the Eagles and and the way that I thought they dominated and imposed their will, especially up front with that offensive line. That is as secure a unit as there is. And I don't know that they can do that every week, but they proved that they can take all the guesswork out of it. Here's what we're going to (laughs) do. You may know what we're going to do, but we're coming down your throat. And my feeling on that is that strikes fear in as many defenses as the Dolphins' high-flying explosive passing attack. Because that is another thing you can't do anything about. You can scheme as much as you want to stop the Eagles running game. I don't know if it matters. They're coming right downhill at you. I was worried, and maybe they were too, and maybe that's why they adopted this. I was worried that Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator for the Vikings, would come after the quarterback and really create chaos. Well, what's the best way to take that out of the game? Not throw the ball and not do it in that fashion. So the only thing he could do to fill the boxes was to run blitz, and, and they had answers for all that. So... When you run the ball as effective as they do, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be. I don't know if it's here. Here here's my guess. I don't know if that's can be done in the second half of the season without some adjustments being made. But my fear is, if I'm the other teams, is it can, and I'm not sure what they can do about it. So that was impressive. And then the other thing I always come back to when I see and hear and watch the Eagles, the quarterback impresses me, and, and I'm going to sound like a fan. He's awesome. Jalen Hurts and his intangibles, every time I hear him speak, every time I see him interact with players on the sidelines, he always says, he always does the right thing. And I come back to this every time. Intangibles are so important at that position. Even though he's not 
Jeff George throwing the ball or he's not Dan Marino throwing the ball. I get it. But this kid makes up for it in that he does everything about the position the way you draw it up. So I'm, I'm always impressed with him. It's funny you mentioned Jeff George because he was such an amazing talent throwing the ball. Didn't have any of those intangibles. That's why I mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the exact opposite. He's the exact opposite of Hurts. But might be the prettiest thrower of the football that I've seen in 40 years. Really a great passer of the football. Yeah. So that component of it to me, you know, the the Eagles obviously have done a really nice job building on the lines of scrimmage, right? And so it's such a great equalizer um, to be able to control that and be able to run the ball in a game where – you know, it hasn't come together for them really passing yet. One thing I noticed, two games, not enough of a body of work or sample size to say we have any trends, but my fear for the Eagles coming into this year would be that when you have that much success, and Jalen Hurts proved a lot of people wrong last year, uh, and they did a great job with their scheme too, then people pay attention and you get these defensive coordinators saying, okay, you know, we're going to make it harder for you this year. And so two games, one of them is in probably not the best, you know, weather situation in New England against Bill Belichick, who might be the greatest defensive schemer in the league, or certainly he's mm-hmm. one of the top five of the last 40 years. Uh, and then you go against uh, Brian Flores, who isn't as established, but where does he come from? He comes from Bill Belichick, so yep. he's a good defensive schemer too. Yep. Um, one of the things I noticed was in the past game for them, last year through two games, Jalen Hurts had 16 explosive pass completions, meaning longer than 15 yards. 16 Mm -hmm. of them in two games, which is a ton. They've got three this year. They never had a two-game stretch with fewer than six. So I guess that'd be one thing I'll be watching for. They they did a great job getting weapons for Jalen Hurts. Uh, You know, you love A.J. Brown, obviously. Uh, They got Smith, Devonta Smith as well. But only three explosive pass gains through two week sort of sh- plays into the idea that, hey, these these guys have found ways to win games, but it's not like they're hitting on all cylinders by any means yet. No, I totally concur. I mean, Philly went on the road last week to New England, like you mentioned, and I said they probably had a C-plus offense that day and still won the game. Last night, yep. it might have been a B-minus offense, and they still won the game. We can't forget, this is a team s- strapped with two brand new coordinators, both sides of the ball. So those yeah. guys are adjusting. They're figuring things out as well. I agree with you. There are not enough explosive plays. But I guarantee you, if teams sneak, keep sneaking guys into the box to stop this run, there are going to be some explosive plays over the top. Because those <laughs> guys are going to find ways to get defenses unsettled and uneasy. And one of the two is going to happen. you know. And so I think that's coming. I think they're coordinators, the guys that run the offense and defense are settling in. I don't think they know yet what they have and are comfortable, but got to look at it this way. We're 2-0. and and, and like you said, no, we're not hitting on all cylinders at all. Yeah. It scored on defense against New England, the four turnovers this last game. Those things will probably dry up as we go along, but if the run game is there, and what do you think too? They, you know, the, their defensive line, you know, they drafted Jalen Carter in the top 10 and it was kind of seen as a risky pick because of some of the concerns around him, but maybe he looks like he's going to be pretty good too, huh? Ooh. He's pretty good, all right. I think they're yeah, going to have a hard time I blocking him. I almost made you choke on your coffee there. He's pretty good, but to their credit, now obviously he fell into their lap. We know why. All the intangibles, yeah. things that followed him, the baggage. 
He's got a lot of his classmates around him. He's got a lot of Georgia guys in that locker room. They think they can handle it with some leadership. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to pull something from the GM notebook and talk about it now as well because it's reflective of Howie Roseman and what they've done with this roster. You remember in late in camp when they decided to sign Zach Cunningham and was it Miles mm-hmm. Jack, the other linebacker, when everybody else was sitting on their hands, figuring out how good they were on defense? And it has worked out with Zach Cunningham. It didn't work out with Jack, but Zach Cunningham's making plays now all over the place. He was a late addition. The other thing was, I think they had signed Rashad Penny when DeAndre Swift became available, right? So right. they've Penny's added depth player. to yeah. depth. Good player. I think he's the best player on offense outside of Hurts. I thought DeAndre Swift last night showed why I'm not sold that the Lions did the right thing with him. And I know he's been hurt. I know that fact factored into it. But if this kid does what that what he did last night, I mean, obviously he's yeah. going to lead the league in rushing and make a Pro Bowl or two. And and he's yeah. legitimate NFL back. And that showed last night. But I'm crediting Howie with adding two. At a later date, he was still grinding that roster into camp. And now they got Swift before that, but I don't think they had Cunningham when they started camp. And he became a vital cog for that defense last night as well. So I think they're always, always looking. Pushing, yeah, yeah Howie's yeah. always pushing the envelope, and I like that. And that only bodes well for Eagles in the future as well. And that, yeah. that probably could be a note in the GM notebook, but I'm just saying that's something that can't go unnoticed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Rashad Penny, too, is also a good player. I mean, he, whenever he has played in the past, he's put up good numbers. He's had some health issues. But he's a Rashad Penny is a great guy to not have to be counting on every week, to just have in your back pocket. Because okay. when he does go in there, at least so far in his career, he's been pretty good. He's been highly productive, more productive than a typical backup back would be. So that gets to your point of just because we think we're okay at this position doesn't mean you stop looking at that position. Well, some of these teams in the NFL won't take veterans that are, you know, 30-ish or or late 20s and even add them as with any desire to have them be backups. And I think that's dead wrong. I think you've got to have valuable players throughout your whole 53-man roster. And I just think Howie does that better than anybody else. Yeah, before we move off of the Eagles, I know you haven't seen this yet, but Amazon was promoting the Kelsey documentary. It's kind of Jason Kelsey and his family, but which includes his brother Travis of the Chiefs. Here's how much crossover appeal that uh, Jason Kelsey and the Travis Kelsey podcast have. You know, the, the football GM can only aspire. We're a little too niche for this, but uh, <laughs> these guys... These guys are so good together, as you'd expect brothers might be, yeah. that my wife, who my wife loves sports and stuff, but she's not going to be like listening to an NFL podcast. She listens to their podcast, loves it. She's the one who's like, 
we got to watch this Kelsey documentary. So she, I'm like, this is great. My wife wants to watch the football <laughs> What's documentary. Wrong? Who is you know? this? Who is this woman? Yeah, yeah. No, no, she's great. She, yeah, yeah. No, she's a big sports fan. So, you yeah. know, she likes it. But for her to recommend it, I was like, okay. So we watched it. I loved it. I mean, mm. to me, they got kind of, they followed basically Jason Kelsey through last season, uh, which culminates with him facing his brother in the, in the Super Bowl. We've got his parents. We've got Jason Kelsey's wife. His daughters, his his wife was pregnant with their third daughter. Uh, even they thought the delivery would, could happen during the Super Bowl. So it followed all this around. And it was so amazing to me, especially if you've had kids, you'll appreciate the honesty. You know, what, what's the word, you know, from the mouths of babes, right? You know, it's just yeah. the, the honesty. Kids just, man, the kids will just shoot it to you straight, right? They don't know yeah. any better sometimes. <laughs> no, that's right. You know, sometimes they, they say the craziest things. They'll embarrass the heck out of you. You ever been in like a grocery store and they... They say something about somebody they see that's just an honest observation, but it's not really appropriate, right, in the moment. Right. So so after the Super Bowl, they show Jason Kelsey comes back to the hotel room, you know, where his wife and kids are waiting. And, I mean, he's obviously drained after the game. They just lost the Super Bowl. And it, so you, he goes over to one of his little girls, and she can't be, you know, three or four years old, something like that, five years old. And she goes, uh, she goes, she goes, Dad, you lost. Uncle <laughs> Uncle Travi won. <laughs> and then they, you could see Kelsey's wife in the background trying to not laugh, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. just it was just so That's awesome. Classic. That's kids. Yeah. That's kids yeah. for you, you know? Right. That's kids for you. It was a, a tough moment for him, and she just, she just cut right to the truth, you know? Cut right, right to the truth. So I thought that was great. And then I also really appreciated his kind of thought process of coming back or not he he was sitting there on the start of free agency saying geez i've got to tell the eagles here to be fair for them of, of whether i'm going to play and he kind of got into sort of the philosophical trade-offs really of playing the sport and you know you're if you play a long time you could have some issues certainly physically he doesn't know what's behind you know the door of uh all the the head trauma and stuff from playing a, a really long time and it was just kind of interesting to hear him go through that and just the fear. You, you would think most of us, Randy, in our minds feel like if we had as much money in the bank as Jason Kelsey has uh, and we had a young family and a wife like that, we most of us think we would be like, well, I'm retired and you would just go spend all your time with him. But money doesn't buy that type of fulfillment and happiness. People need something to be striving for. And he's not really sure what that is. So you could see him sort of being, at one point he's hanging out with some of his recently retired friends, former teammates. And you just got the feeling that they were kind of searching too, you know? Yeah. And so he has this real fear of what's next, even though he has a wildly successful podcast, he's the mayor of Philadelphia, Basically, right. he's got all kinds of options, but it's still, you know, it's hard for him to step away. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, and the review will send me to watch it for sure. It sounds like my kind of show. And I would only add this about Kelsey, the center, and, and kind of how those guys are wired. You say maybe he's struggling a little bit, and you don't know this. We're just surmising with yeah. where he and how he spends his future. I think that's normal for those offensive linemen. They are very intentional for the most part, and I'm not generalizing, but I'm just saying that I am. Yeah. They're very intentional. They they want to have a plan. They want to know how their nights are going to end in most cases. They, they're they not the kind that's going to go 
out on a, a Breaking Bad and not know how it's going to end, you know. And and yeah. this sounds like one of those cases. Which I love that thought process. I love the fact that he would really. I'd I'd like to know the internal struggle and dig into that deeper because I, I I don't know. I'm kind of like that too. I like to have a plan. I like to know what's next. And I might not ask the next question until I know the answer. And that's kind of what Kelsey seems like he is. And it's funny because his brother may not be that at all. His brother seems like a little different bird, a little wired completely different. And I'm talking about the tight end. Yeah. yeah a little yeah. more free spirited, a little more eh, whatever, you know, whatever happens, completely. happens. I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow. I don't know where, but I'll wake up, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're great going back and forth like yeah, that yeah. in the I'd show. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah, they were joking about that because, you know, Travis, they played at Cincinnati together, you know, and then yeah. Travis got kicked off the team because they had a, <laughs> There's a, a marijuana they had a marijuana <laughs> test before, you know, uh, before there was a marijuana dispensary on every corner like there is where I live, <laughs> uh, billboards and everything. You know, it was a more of a taboo thing at the time. And like uh, he had to be kicked. He was kicked off the team because they tested like around the bowl game or something. And he was distraught, you know, because <laughs> of his career. Uh, but. Yeah, so they were joking back and forth. I think at one point Jason was like, you know, uh, well, you, you haven't been in handcuffs yet, have you? Or, so you, or J- Travis might have said, I haven't been in handcuffs yet. And Jason's like, yeah, you've been really close, though. You know, <laughs> yeah. like Multiple times, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah. 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 yeah, a little back and forth, brotherly type stuff. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, I thought it was really good, really good stuff and fun. To, cool. I think pe- people would really enjoy that. So. Free advertisement there for I think it was on Amazon (laughs) Prime, Uh, but uh, yeah, so that puts to bed. I think that puts to bed our Thursday night game, right? You got anything else? I think so. No, I think uh, both teams are going to be interesting to watch going forward because, like you said, Minnesota zero and two now, eleven and zero in those one score close games last year. So I guess more truth to the saying of what goes around comes around eventually. So we'll see. No, it does. It does. All right. Well, let, let's uh, hit. I'm interested in some of your evals on uh, the rookie quarterbacks here as they head into week two. We have Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. Everyone's talking about these guys, have been all off season. Uh, people can check out Randy's. Randy has a column now every week on The Athletic on Tuesday, on Wednesday or Tuesday? When, Wednesdays. Uh, Wednesdays. Wednesday, yeah. On Wednesdays. Yeah, on Wednesday. And he got into some, a little bit of this. You can check that out there. You can just go to The Athletic app. You can search by author, go to Randy Mueller. You can just Google Randy Mueller, theathletic.com. You'll find his archive there. Uh, but maybe I, what got me wanting to do this, besides the fact that these guys made their debuts, I just heard the, the Texans offensive coordinator on C.J. Stroud say, quote, for a young quarterback, he's very functional from the pocket, which is rare. Man, he's speaking your language there, uh, Randy. <laughs> functional from the pocket, which is rare, and he has lead accuracy. The ball goes where he wants it to go. I think he's shown in the NFL in one game he has more athleticism than a lot of people give him credit for, which I was sort of joking, Randy, because, yeah, you'd be running fast too if, if they had jailbreak blitzes coming <laughs> from the Ravens. Like, uh, this poor guy was underwater yeah. for the first first quarter of the game, but... Uh, just curious what you thought. You take them in any order you want. Maybe you want to start with Bryce Young, but uh, what's your thoughts now on these guys? Because we evaluated them through the draft and all that. Well, I really don't have an evaluation on all of them after one game, and I would recommend people staying away from that. But I do think we see some of the things that were were thought of them uh, during the pre-draft run-up and then through preseason as well. Um, Stroud showed what I saw at Ohio State in that he he can get the ball out. He is accurate. 
Um, at times, the game speeds up a little bit for him, and he's not quite ready. But that's part of the step up to the NFL. I thought, I mean, the guy was sacked six times. He, he threw for less than 200 yards. But I still thought there was a lot of pluses in there. So I guess I would agree with the Texans offensive coordinator in in that first week. Uh, I saw this in college. I see it now with them. I think the Texans have some people around him. Now, I don't know about the offensive line. It's a work in progress, but they have some people around him that allows him to get the ball to to, to some people downfield, and I think he'll do that. Um, I thought the Baltimore game was a really good test, and you mentioned the aggressiveness that they come after him. And, and again, I'm judging right now more than results. I'm judging poise. I'm judging instincts. I'm judging how big the game and how fast it is for these young guys. And I thought Stroud passed the test. I mean, I was hopeful. I gave him a B-plus just in the first game. So I was good with Stroud, and I take him only because you mentioned yeah. the coordinator. Young was obviously the first guy picked. Well, I want to ask you, though, too, though. So coming into the draft uh, of these guys, you had Stroud as your top guy of the uh, that you would t- have taken first out of these quarterbacks. Is that right? I did because I had issues just with the physicality and the frame and size of, of uh, Young. But, yes, I had okay, Stroud yeah. as – Okay. Again, and I don't know if I would have picked any of these guys that high, but yeah. if you're if you're ranking quarterbacks, uh, I thought Stroud was further down the road for what an NFL quarterback should be three, four years from now. Yep. Okay. Good. And then we'll get into the Young now. Well, Young, I think everybody understands what he is, what he was. You're talking about a kid that, and he's shown this the whole time too through preseason. Poise, instincts, general feel for processing information, really good. Now, he got fooled a couple times in their game with Atlanta where Jesse Bates got him twice for picks over the middle where he held the ball and he threw it a little late. He'll know that that window closes a lot quicker now than when he played against Northwestern. Those windows aren't going to be open forever, so he's going to have to get it out a little quicker. But I thought he made a couple plays with his legs. He handled the short, controlled passing game fairly well. Um, I think he's still learning. One, he, he just, like I said, he, he can't throw late. The ball needs to come out. Um, he also struggled with some deep balls. And, and his overall accuracy wasn't as good as it's been in the past. But I still think he shows enough to where you can see the future with this kid. If he can improve or not, I think he will. Um, I gave him a B minus just because I don't really, I didn't learn a ton from him except that the game wasn't too big. But I think we already knew that going in. So I just think time's going to, time yeah. uh, factors with durability with that frame onto how he's going to survive 17 weeks of a chaotic pocket. I think I was discouraged by that offensive line that they rolled out there. They didn't play very well. And that concerns me for Young's health down the road. Yeah. And you wrote in your column saying, hey, they're going to have to build this line the way the Saints build it for Drew Brees and really give him the protection in the middle, or he's going to have more problems than he might have, might have if he was 6'3" you know, in 220 pounds, right? Yeah, so. it's it's only natural for a 5'10 guy to be vis, vis, vision challenged. And and Young has done a really good job in his career. And he, he even says it, hey, I've been short. I've been this size my whole life. I get it. But the guys you're playing against all haven't been this size that you're facing now either. So there'll be a little period there. But yes, they are going to have to build that front, in my opinion, a little different. They're not. They're going to have to be really firm at center and at guard and not allow penetration of any kind. F- pressure up the gut bothers... Hey, it bothered Philip Rivers, and he was 6'5", and loved the yeah. pocket. So consider us a 5'10 guy with pressure up the po- up the middle. And this bothered Drew Brees to death, and he'll be the first to admit it. That's how you yeah. get to these smaller guys is to pressure them up the pocket. It'll be interesting. Carolina plays New Orleans this week. 
New Orleans kind of knows the formula because they lived it forever with Breeze. It'll be interesting to to see Dennis Allen's scheme, how he comes about getting after Bryce Young. Yes. Now, on Anthony Richardson, I must say, Randy, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I mean, we didn't have a lot to go on with him with only the 13 starts in college, but Mm -hmm. um, that seemed better than it could have been, For even though they lost, uh, I think, 31 to 21 to Jacksonville. It wasn't like Richardson was a disaster, right? No, I agree with you totally. In fact, if I was grading all three of these guys, I would give Richardson the highest of the three after one yeah. game. But I also thought Shane Steichen had the most detailed plan to succeed with this quarterback's skill set as well yeah. week one. It's simple. It's low risk. But my concern is there's only so many tunnel screens, so many uh, RPOs, so many plays you can dial up to where I thought they were a little challenged in the second half. And that's game one. Do they have enough other pitches to go to when when they force this kid to stay in the pocket and throw? I think at some point, and again, we're one game into it, so I'm going to yeah. have a little bit of a question on the concepts, if they're enough to expand this kid's uh, resume as to what... And, and, and we said the same thing about Jalen Hurts, so I'll give him that. He, he, can the passing game expand? So that's always going to be out there. The problem with I.C. Richardson's rapid advancement is going to be they have no playmakers on the outside. It's a real struggle for them to stretch the defense. They have no speed. Of course, now they don't have Jonathan Taylor. And we'll get into some of this later in the show. But I I struggle with this kid not having enough to where he can expand the offense. Maybe the the wing T is the way to go in year one and just write it off for what it is because we're not good enough to do anything else. I am with you. On the receivers, I know you've got a little note in the in the GM notebook that's related to that, so we won't go into it too much. But with you there, thanks. Yeah. Something needs to change with what they've got to help this guy out. And look at what they did for Jalen Hurts. Yes, I mean, you can't just go get every team can't go get AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, but right. you got to have a plan. You got to have real guys. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. I think yep. that's a good one. We'll sort of star that for the GM notebook. Hey, uh, let's revisit Zach Wilson a little bit with the Jets, because obviously since our last show, the big news was that four plays in, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is on the ground out for the season with a torn Achilles tendon. And now, you know, people have, what do the Jets do? And uh, they're going to go with Zach Wilson. You sort of liked him coming out. Obviously, he wasn't as ready as we hoped when he first started playing. But what about now? What do you think? Well, I think the circumstances obviously have forced this to go down. And so whether they're ready or he's ready or not, this is the best option they have. Um, I felt like the humble pie that he received by being benched, by spending the last few months behind Aaron Rodgers, has helped the rest of his team receive him better because he's gotten sent to the little kid's table, I think it's helped in the way they now kind of back him because they feel like, hey, you needed to have this done. He handled it with some pride and and the right way. And so I think that does build his credibility going forward. Um, Yeah, I I liked Zach coming out. And I always come back to this. And you can't listen to Jets fans. You can't listen to the media. I mean, they've they've disposed this guy as being crap for the last, year, you know, and that's just not the way people on the inside of NFL buildings view it. They saw certain things in this kid and they're not willing to discard him at a moment's notice. And sometimes it takes a benching or two. Hey, I remember when 
Mike Holmgren took over the Seahawks and they had Matt Hasselbeck and Trent Dilfer. He went back and forth for a year and a half, benching both of them all the time. And they both became really good quarterbacks, but... That's just the way it is. Bill Walsh benched Joe Montana. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> I guarantee you. Uh, and, and Brett Favre was on the edge of getting benched many times by Holmgren. Uh, Phil yeah. Sims with, with Parcells. So it happens oh, yeah. to him. And I'm, not Hitler, all yeah, that. Yeah. I'm not comparing Zach Wilson to these guys, but I have said this all along as well. Last year's offense at the Jets was a dumpster fire. It wasn't just the quarterback. Yes, he played terrible. I get it. But... Last time I checked, the OC got fired. A bunch of players got changed out. That was a thing that when I watched that tape, I just had to shake my head. I couldn't believe they were trying to do certain things with players that just was impossible. So it was a bad fit. Whether that gets fixed this year, I don't know. I think you brought this up to me as a, as a good note. In fact, I may have used it in my column last week. We'll see where this is with Zach Wilson. But a lot of it goes on to Nathaniel Hackett as well, because he's built game plans, even though he didn't call the plays in Green Bay. He was involved in building game plans for Aaron Rodgers his whole career, except for well, last year. He had Jacksonville, year. too. He had Jacksonville, too. Okay. Well, yeah. the last how many years, it's always yeah. been in and around Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have that now. So they've got to pivot and do things that make sense for Zach Wilson. And so I want to see how that shakes out as well. So there's some pressure on him. There's some pressure on the rest of this team, I think, to be there for Zach Wilson. And the first time there is a bump in the road, they can't start saying, oh, same old deal, same old crap. You know, you just can't go there. So I just feel a little change in tide. Now, the kid has to play good, but I'm fine with what they did after the injury. I think this is the best way to do it. Um, Time will tell if it works out. Yeah. But how about this? What if they go to Dallas and play good, and this kid plays really good? I know nine and a half points is a lot. It's a big point spread. You know, I think a lot of that is just thinking Zach Wilson's going to be terrible. Both these teams have good defenses, right? So Dak yeah. could have a tough game too. Now, obviously, he's a more established, uh, you know, good quarterback than Zach Wilson. But uh, that was that was one that we'll get to our picks later. I don't know that either one of us touched that one because Zach Wilson could throw four picks for all we know. <laughs> but yep. Uh, my, a little bit of my concern here, part of the challenge uh, for me, is they've tailored this whole thing to Rodgers. You know, the, the personnel with Lazard and Cobb as receivers you'd never have on your team unless Aaron Rodgers was assistant GM, which he is there. Mm-hmm. The scheme with Hackett. You know, the, the, And then my second cons- concern is, so, so that would be one concern. Do they have the weaponry for him? Garrett Wilson's very good. The running back looks good. Uh, they have Dalvin Cook, obviously, as another running back, so they should be able to run the ball, it looked like. My second concern is just, I went this this morning and watched all of the pass plays for Zach Wilson. I just My concern is that the more he plays, the more he reverts to some of those bad instincts of holding onto the ball and playing hero ball. And we just saw a couple, I'm curious what you think in the game. Did you see a couple glimpses of that when he was running back 30 yards? He did throw it away. Another one he ran to the left, and he threw it away, but he got smacked. You know, I just, I just want him to make the right decision uh, and not Josh Allen too much. What do you think? I, I, you, I agree with that. I think that's always a concern with this kid. I've thought that from the minute they got him from BYU that he was a little bit recess-oriented and need more structure. I do think the fact that he's been with Aaron Rodgers now for the last three or four months, has been helpful. I'm not saying he's a, a changed man by any means, but yeah, some of that stuff worries me. Um, I think that the offensive scheme has to, again, we talked about it, has to fit him better and that the reps he'll get, and maybe not this week, but he got no reps last week. 
in that game before the Monday night game. So he's going to have reps. He's going to have more information. He's going to have more of an idea of what he's doing this week um, and throughout the rest of this season now. So I think that's going to help him as well. But I do think your, your concern is valid. So before the season, you had Buffalo, Miami, Jets, and New England as the order of finish in the AFC East. Now we subtract Rodgers. Are you going to stick with it and keep the Jets over New England? Yeah, I think they're fine. I think the Jets yeah. have a pretty good team around him. And again, this sounds yeah. cliche-ish, but last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense. And he doesn't play special teams. So no. th- that, that hasn't changed a bit. Um, I think they've all no. got to play up to their potential. They can't afford to think the quarterback's going to carry him in a C-plus game by the defense. But, hey, that's up to them. Yeah. they got to fight through that. But, yeah, I've never you – know, I was one of those guys that never – bought the Jets to start with as a Super Bowl team. So I wouldn't change my rankings per se right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one last thing on the Jets. So Rogers says he's going to play again. And I I was thinking, okay, that's really interesting because what if Zach Wilson plays really well and looks like he could be the guy? What if their staff changes? You know, what if, what if, what if? Uh, We're going to go through a whole nother year of Rogers talk and hype and all about Aaron uh, what are we going to do? Bring back Lazard? I mean, we might as well go back and find Jordy Nelson. Maybe he can get in shape and come back. <laughs> you know, a couple of those guys from the early glory days. Uh, uh, is that really, at, at Roger's age, is that really what you want to do as an organization? I understand his feeling competitively. And also, hey, these guys are giving me a lot of money. I want to make it worth their while. But man, that seems risky to sign up for a year from now. Well, the good news is for the Jets is they don't have to sign up for anything. There's a lot of time and water to flow under the bridge here. Yeah. So the what-ifs yeah. are interesting, like you said, but we're going to have to gather some more information before we make any decisions. It could be that after eight weeks, and I know we, we have optimism for Zach, or at least I do, you may find out in eight weeks he's not an option at all. You may can't wait to get Aaron Rodgers back. So it, it could go yeah. any, any way. The fact that he'll be yep. 40 next year coming off an Achilles, it's not like you had him – running around in the pocket and doing crazy things athletically anyway. Hey, Dan, he's going to still move better than Dan Marino ever did in his heyday at 40 and coming off an Achilles. So um, can he throw? Yes. I I wouldn't be discouraged by wanting him back. I can't believe the Jets would put this plan together thinking it was all one and done for him anyway. So I'm going to be okay with that. I guess that the downside is if Zach Wilson does play really good, then what happens with him? I'm just worried about at at Rogers at his age, uh, yeah. you know, coming off of a major injury, I mean, I think the odds are high that he gets another injury or just isn't that good. You know, after this type of a injury, Dan Marino talked about it too. You know, late in his career, he was never quite the same. I'm sure he had great games and some great years, but he had the same injury, you know, at a point where he was uh, had played quite a bit of ball. So that'll be interesting. One last thing in AFC East, um, Tom Curran, who is Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston, had me on his podcast and raised something I hadn't really thought of. I'm just going to run the question past you. He said, hey, look, New England's playing uh, the the Dolphins this week. And if you sort of look at, you know, before Mike McDaniel came to Miami and they got Tyreek Hill, basically Miami was doing the, type of New Englandy weird offensive setup with dual coordinators and no chance that the Patriots did for Mac Jones last year. And if you look at the Patriots right now, they don't have any weapons. We've talked about that. Nothing close to Miami. So Tom Curran's question to me was, hey, 
How much better is Tua than Mac Jones anyway? If you gave if you put Mac Jones in in Miami and had him uh, with Mike McDaniel and those weapons, would would we be seeing the same thing? I thought it was kind of an interesting thing. What do you think? I think it's a great question. I think Tua is better than Mac Jones. And I think the twitchiness, the quickness he gets rid of the ball, the way it comes out, I think suits that offense better. I think if you ask the opposite, if you put Tua in New England, I think New England would be better. So I think it's... You do. Yeah, I do. I think Tua is better. Now, you also have to factor in the Tua durability thing. The Dolphins are going to have to decide at the end of the year if they're going to pay this guy. I don't know how they can. I mean, this guy's one hit away from being done, right? So that is risky business. Oh, yeah, business. I agree. Yeah, if, you had to, if I had to sign one for the next three years, you know, uh, that's a risky consideration with the Tua injury thing. But, but if we set that aside and just said, hey, better th- quarterback, better player at the position, you're going with Tua, and, it's, and you went with that pretty quickly. I know you've never had the highest eval on Mac Jones anyway. So. Well, and I don't have anything against Mac Jones. I just think he's limited physically, that's all. And I think Tua can – do more things, yeah. especially in this scheme, and, and that's shown. Um, again, yeah. I don't have anything yeah. against Mac Jones. It's just that I, I just at the end of the day, maybe yeah. the upside yep. for Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. Maybe I don't know. And yeah. if you want you're that, another that's one fine. of your favorite guys. Yeah, favorite <laughs> I mean, guys. okay, you're making me out to yeah. be the bad guy here, Mikey. Come I on, know. Man. I'm having God fun dang. with it. I was like, hey, well, the guy throws for 365, and we're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he uh, put me to sleep. You know, Game's yeah, too big for him. That's great. Hey. Uh, one thing I want to hit on you, my Monday column this past week was about Deion Sanders and I've, he's just been so, you know, captivated everybody with his yep. handling of the program. And, and he's talked so much about, you know, just, he's going to be himself, you know, and as we look around the league and I'm not doing the whole history of the league, but one of the things I wrote about is we're seeing some different types of head coaches who don't all fit into the. Don Shula mode of serious all the time, right? I mean, Dan Campbell is being himself and people can make fun of Dan Campbell and say he's a pro wrestling pitch man when he talks about biting knees, but he's being authentically himself in coaching the team. Mike McDaniel, completely quirky. I mean, my gosh, not at all what you would drop a a head coach to be if you were combining Vince Lombardi with uh, you know, just name any Hall of Fame coach, Tony oh. Dungy, any of these guys. They're different they're different than these guys. So uh, Deion Sanders now is a whole different <laughs> entity than that because he's been such a superstar as a player. Uh, he, he's been a two-sport player star. I mean, he's almost bigger than any job just because of the nature of who he is. And what I wrote about was just... Hey, look, he's only two games into this thing in Colorado. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'm betting on him. I, I think it looks really good. I just wondered what you thought of him as a coach. And I could see him coaching in the NFL uh, at some point, even though he's a different type of a coach than what you know comes out of central casting for coaches. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. I think, it, it, and again, we're we're just getting started down this road of, I mean, we know he's authentic, right? I, I would say a couple things. One, for the most part, and you know this, you've been around just as long as I have, players don't, in the NFL, players don't always like it to be about the coach. The game is about the players. And we've both been around coaches where they felt like they yeah. were what people were paying to see. NFL players do not want that. But in this case, I think the swag that Dion carries 
is a total different animal. I don't think you'd have that problem. I think players would welcome another player to that level. The other thing I think about sometimes when you hire a head coach is it's leading men, yes, but they also have to be uh, respected and and bought into by the players. And I always used to say when and Jim Hazlitt and I talked about this many times when he was our head coach in New Orleans, he's a former player, former pro bowler himself, and a little bit of a aim at the hip, aim from the hip guy. And I always used to say, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So these coaches yeah. know. Deion Sanders knows his players. He's going to know pro players. He's going to know college players. It doesn't matter. Yep. So they can't bullshit him. He knows it. And I think that yes. is a valuable quality for a head coach. If the players know they can't bullshit the head guy, it's the same with a GM. <laughs> if they think they can bullshit you, they're going to bullshit you. <laughs> and yep. so it's a yeah. different dynamics. <laughs> I think the big thing for a guy like Dion is, and I'm with you, he's probably going to get a chance at the NFL level. What he's done at Colorado through two games is completely rebuild a team. I think they said 87 new players. Well, obviously, you, yeah. can't, do, you can't do that at the NFL level. You only right. get one first round pick every year. And Nick and I used to have this discussion. Yeah, You come into Minnesota and they say, hey, guess what? Kirk Cousins is your quarterback yeah. the next three years because of right. the money or whatever, right? Yeah. So you can dance and motivate all you want, but at the end of the day, Kurt's going to be our quarterback. So the dynamics are different. I, I don't put a cap on him because of that. I think he would have to go with the right people around him. He probably would have to have a seasoned general manager who's been through this before, who can be in the background, but yet let Dion lead the way. I was around two college guys in my career who came, Dennis Erickson, who came from Miami to Seattle, and Nick Saban, who came from LSU to Miami. Total different, total different personalities. Both worked, both could work, I believe, if the right people were around them and their attitude allowed help. The problem you get a lot of times from college guys coming to the pros is they've done everything at the college level, whether it's uh, Matt uh, Rule or any of these guys that come from college. He was just the latest where they are their own GM. They are their own team builder and they don't want anybody to be involved in that. That's where you're going to find trouble when you get to the NFL because there's too yeah, much see, for them to occupy, too many jobs think, for them yeah. to, to ride on. But see, I think Deion Sanders has understands that. I mean, he, yes. if you look at the choices he's made, he's got a former head coach as uh, offensive coordinator. He's got Pat Shermer as an analyst, right? A guy yeah, who's called no plays and been a head coach in the NFL. Like, I think he gets that. I, I think he's, I think he's super smart. And you talked about the smart in the way of not being able to be bullshitted by the players. But I, I just, I just impressed with his. Uh, like, I think he gets it. So yeah, that, I, I think he'd be a perfect guy to work. If he's the head coach is usually going to be the face of everything anyway, right? Of your team, so that's not a problem. To me, I would pair him with a general manager who, like a lot of these general managers, they're kind of background guys, right? I mean, for the they, most they, part, the good ones are. They, yeah, they, yeah, they defer, you know, to yeah. the they defer publicly to the head coach. Now they may have their own ideas. There has to be a great level of trust. But to me, Dion's going to eat suck up a lot of the oxygen in the room, and that's fine. Uh, that's fine. And I Some think organizations also, won't want that. Some yeah, won't, yeah, even though yeah. they should, but they won't. But the thing about the players don't want a guy making it about himself, I think Dion does a great job, even though his personality is so big that every, he's what people talk about. Mm -hmm. If you really listen to him, mm -hmm. if you listen to him, he'll talk for 25 minutes, and he may mention 
casually once or twice he might throw in there that yeah i was in the world series and the super bowl but he's constantly turning it back to the players he's not nope. putting it on it he's not talking about himself we are preoccupied with him because of who he is yeah but he's not making it about himself and so i just i just am intrigued if you had asked me two years ago or before he went to jackson state about Deion sanders being head coach i probably would have had a different answer than I have now. I've just been really impressed with what I've seen so far. So yeah, I, I think there's something to keep keep our eye on, you know? I like his style, to be honest with you. And it may not fit my style, but I like the style, the way it re- is reflected in his own locker room. And I think yeah. that is a big deal nowadays. So I think players will play hard for him. They'll play behind him. He knows, they know that he has their back. He's been there. He's done that. So I think he never has to talk about himself because it, everybody already knows. It's like Michael Jordan. Why yeah. he never talks about himself? Why would he? Everybody knows he's Michael Jordan. You know. <laughs> Same with Dion. Everybody knows he's the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He is. He was incredible. I don't. I. I feel privileged to have seen his entire career because he really was different. I mean, there's just a few guys like that, almost like a Bo Jackson type of guy, who they are just different. <laughs> yep. Just different in everything they do. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a bunch of other stuff in here, but Randy, I think we're, we, we've been motoring. You want to hit the GM notebook and get into our picks now, or was there anything left on the menu here that you really wanted to dive into? We had a couple other things. We could I would mention to. one thing, Mike, that, that people yeah. may, may be on the tip of their tongue, and it's really the Josh Allen experiment in Buffalo. Okay, I yeah, do think that, that is yep. something that 
your your question to me was, is it concerning? My answer yeah. is, it is very concerning. And nobody's been a bigger Josh Allen fan than me. I just think at some point, he's, he is such, he reminds me of an impulsive little kid that can't keep his finger out of, hands out of the cookie jar, right? He just can't yeah. help himself. So when it's second and eight and he dives over a linebacker to make it third and seven, I mean, I'm thinking, what the hell is he doing? Why are we even doing this? Why are you putting yourself in jeopardy? But then when he tries to make every throw, the hardest throw on the, of his option menu, of the menu for each play, he's picking the hardest degree of difficulty. That's a concern. That tells me he doesn't really understand the big picture. So at some point, this kid's going to have to realize that I don't have to win every game for us. I may think I can. But that doesn't mean I have to impulsively go that route because either one, he's going to get hurt or he's going to make mistakes because the degree of difficulty of these dives that he makes every week, just out it, it doesn't make sense. So I do think there's a concern. I think, and I've said, and I'm not saying this guy's John Elway, but I have not seen a skill set in the NFL like John Elway had until Josh Allen came around. He's that talented to me. But He's got to, between his ears, sort some things out that would really concern me as a teammate and as a coach. You saw McDermott on the sidelines the other night pointing to his head and saying, hey, hey, be smart, be smart. He's telling Josh Allen the same thing we're talking about right now. you got to be smarter with some of these decisions. And, and I think Josh even knows it. He said after the game, same old stuff. I made the same mistakes. You know, he was downtrodden after the game. That's a concern. So he's going to have to figure this out to where if he doesn't change, I don't know that the Bills go much further. And that's that's crazy. You know what I wish they had is somebody other than Kyle Allen as their number two quarterback. No offense to Kyle Allen. But I wish they had somebody who had played good ball in the league who could play because mm-hmm. I would love the threat of, hey, like in this Jets game, you make another decision like that, we're going to finish the game with someone else. Now, can you do that, Randy, with someone who's that big of a guy? Because I, I get to that way of like, why not? I mean, everyone's accountable here. If you're going to lose the game for us, then we'll just get someone who will run the offense for this series or whatever. I think it would be a major statement type of thing to make to somebody that really gets someone's attention. Is that too 1985? Uh, or could that sort of thing actually happen in the league now? It's... 80-ish, I'll give you that. It's very 1980s-ish, oh my gosh. I get it. We, yeah. we, we can't, oh, oh, we can't talk tough to Josh Allen. Yeah. BS. I think in this case, you have to talk tough to him. I don't know if you do anything publicly, but I think behind the scenes, you have to really talk tough with him. Because this is, I forgive my French, but this is just bullshit, some of the things he tries. And he doesn't need to. That's the thing. He does not need to. Just take a check down every now and then. Take the easy route every now and then. Move the chains. We don't have to throw an 80-yard touchdown pass on every play. That menu has a bunch of selections. We don't have to get surf and turf on every time we go out to eat, you know. Go ahead and take some of the mediocre throws. It's okay. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I I think he's, I actually think Josh is the kind of guy, though, that can take tough love, can take tough I agree. I don't think he has a big ego. So to answer your question, maybe maybe they're doing this. We don't know that. But this kid probably needs a wake-up call somehow, some way. I don't know how you do it. So the interesting thing about them to me is they lost Brian Dayball. So we were wondering about that. He's obviously a strong, uh, pretty strong coach. He's a head coach now. Yeah. you know, and then the head coach, uh, it, Sean McDermott, is a, is on the defensive side, so it's not like he's um, the the natural person to be managing the the quarterback necessarily. So, uh, just interesting to me what will happen. It, 
look, it's one game. Josh Allen may take care of the ball from here on out. They may win it all. So no overreaction. Let's not overreact. But I just wonder what the fix is at the end of this year if that's what ends up holding them back. You've got this super talented quarterback who can't help himself, like you said. Uh, then what do you do? Uh, right? You don't just mm-hmm. reload and come back. Someone pays for that. So, something changes for that. They're obviously not getting rid of Josh Young. They're not going to bench him long term. I was not talking about that, but I was just talking yeah. about like how do, how do we jolt him? So that would be an interesting question to me if this is still a problem 10 weeks into the season. so Well, I think two things. One, that reflective of Ken Dorsey, the coordinator, who's a former quarterback himself, and how he handles him. I don't know how that dynamic works. So that would be one I would dig into. But two, this is not one game, Mike. This is a trend. This has been happening for a year and a half now, these crazy attempts at these high-flying circus act throws and runs. Yeah. So it's more concerning than, than a one-game deal for me. So. Yeah. But but you're right. I think we're going to have to see how this plays out. Um, you just hate to see it starting out like it finished last year. Oh, I was so ready for them to just wipe away an off season of kind of angst over Buffalo. I and mean, this was a 13 and three team that yeah had a tough end of the season. But I felt like all of us were kind of you know talking about how they they may be a. a you know, on the on the downside a little bit, or not quite what they've been, and there was so much hype around Aaron Rodgers. I thought this was just the perfect opportunity for the Bills to come in and remind everybody who they are. Right. And unfortunately, we came out of this game. You know, they reminded us who they are at their worst right. <laughs> uh, to me, and that that was just really the biggest. Just that was the of all the disappointments of Week One, and there were a lot of them. I mean, mm-hmm. the Giants losing by forty. This was probably number one for me. Yeah, this this one here to lose that game uh, the way they did. So, what do you got in the GM notebook this week? Well, we'll hit on a couple things here, and one we mentioned early in the in the podcast during the Jonathan Taylor saga in Indianapolis when they allowed him to shop or them to kind of see what's out there for him. It's been reported that the Colts talked to the Packers and they talked to Miami both, who had an interest in acquiring a running back. I thought it was interesting that the Colts supposedly asked for Jalen Waddle from Miami and Christian Watson from the Packers. And if you really analyze that, that tells me two things. One, they have a need for speed and they realize it. They have no way to loosen the box, no way to help, kind of reflecting on what we talked about with Anthony Richardson already. They don't have to, people don't defend the whole field with the group they have right now. They just have no playmakers. So this confirmed that for me. Their their wide receivers the other thing is the wide receivers in general, I think now, and, and we found that with the market on running backs, have they not taken a priority now over running backs in that you'd rather have a fast receiver oh, than a running back? Any day. Yeah, yeah. they're absolutely a difference-making position in a different way. Uh, I was funny. I was watching um, J.T. O'Sullivan's little breakdown on mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, and, man, he was complaining about the receivers. Like, God, this guy looks tired. Yeah. What, what's this guy doing? You know? <laughs> Tired. It's not his fault he can't run fast. And, and week <laughs> one, you know, what's what's yeah. what's he doing? So, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting thing. So I wonder if they would be a team to be looking for a wide receiver at the deadline. You know, it, Oh, just... I think they're looking for one every day. If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm every day. It's keeping me awake. I got to. And I've yeah. had a team like this. I've had a team that I used to laugh around the office with our guys. I'd say our team reminds me of the old-fashioned electric football games where the, the – 
players would reverberate <laughs> on that little metal board and they just yeah. buzz around and nobody ever broke out of the pack. That's what we were. Yeah. We, we couldn't, nobody could run fast. So we just a big ball of crap going around the field in the mud, you know? So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I hated watching practice every day because no one could run fast. So we've been around teams like that, or at least I have. So I feel for Chris Ballard, but he's been there a few years. They got to <laughs> find some ways to add speed somehow, some way to the perimeter to give this kid a chance. And help this guy because you've you've yeah. now put everything in on Anthony Richardson, and there is a path for him, you know, to, to succeed. But you're going to have to have enough things around him to make it happen. You can't you can't just ask him to have this limited menu of offense uh, <laughs> for the whole year. So okay, what else you got in the notebook? The other th- just a little note that I saw that again media related sticking to quarterbacks. I had forgot about this, and the Washington D.C. media brought it up this week that the Commanders tried hard to get Russell Wilson before Denver pulled that trigger to get him. Yeah, it just yeah. made me kind of think back to trades that I wanted to make. That I've often said the best trades I ever made were the ones I didn't make <laughs> that I wanted to make but couldn't. <laughs> right, and so yeah. the, the Commanders dodged another bullet here with their quarterback saga that you can say swing and miss uh, many times, but this is another swing and miss that actually probably turned out in their favor. But I've been there. I've wanted to give a first round pick for a player that I thought was a lock to make us better and come to find out two years later, this guy was out of the league. So we've all been there. Um, (laughs) This was another one that, you know, my question was, what do you think they were willing to give up to get Russell Wilson? Because we know Denver gave up the farm, right? What do you think Washington was willing to give up for Russell Wilson? And in the end, it would have been a better, probably a better place for Seattle to send him. Um, oh yeah, you know, clear across the country. But but I don't know. Just just yeah. questions be, begat more questions for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm sure it would be. Can you imagine if he if he was there? Uh, <laughs> a whole bunch of other things would be different. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, interesting. One other note I had. Again, more media scuttled, but sometimes it's just food for thought. The Vikings lose two or three more games here and come out of the gate one and five or whatever. What does happen to Kirk Cousins? Would they consider trading him? And if Zach Wilson does struggle, is there something there we're talking about that the Jets would maybe go all in to rent Kirk Cousins for the rest of this year? Because everybody in New York thinks they have a Super Bowl team. It's already, they just needed a quarterback, which I'm not buying, but I'm just saying that's what everybody thinks around there. So would you make a move for a one-year, you know, wonder in in getting a you know, Kirk Cousins from yeah. from the Vikings. Well, first off, I think that's a tough conversation to have with Kevin O'Connell because, like I said, Kirk Cousins is one of the two or three best things the Vikings got going yeah. for him. So you're really not going to win any games at all. I mean, well, what if they're 0 4 or 0 5 to start the season? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Uh, would I don't you know. get, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, what would I guess you'd have to. Get something. What could he get in return? I mean, I heard people Jets saying if you two. ask Jets fans, they think he's worth the first pick. So that's just how good they feel about drinking the Kool Aid of what their roster so is right now. Their number two picks already going to Green Bay for <laughs> yeah, Rodgers. So right. you want to have your number yeah. one go for you have Cousins and Rodgers. I mean, you talk about a mess. Cousins, yeah. Rodgers, and Zach Wilson. Very um, jet like. Very jet like. Yeah. And then what do you think about coming in, in the middle of a season as a quarterback? That's different. It's her learning an offense and all that type of stuff. I mean, I think one of the things the, the Colts learned was that, hey, Matt Ryan had played forever. He didn't just come right in and understand the whole offense and mm. have it fit like a glove. So Kirk Cousins has more left, obviously, than Matt Ryan did at that time. But I just think it's a. Uh, 
media speculation, fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot riskier thing from a Jets standpoint than you think to bring in someone from the outside who isn't a special talent. It's not like he can do it on his own. He's got to have everything kind of schemed. He has to feel comfortable about things. Remember, if we watch this stuff of Kirk Cousins, he's got all this angst and he's not sure uh, about everything. And and to me, (laughs) put him in that market. Put him oh, in that gosh. market, which, by the way, the Jets were one of the teams that tried to get him. In fact, I think he could have gotten more money from the Jets when he signed with Minnesota, I believe. Hmm. Um, but I think Minnesota is a much better fit for Kirk Cousins with his flannel shirts and all the dad clothes <laughs> that he wears. If you watch that Netflix special, I mean, it was hilarious. Did you see that? The clothes that his Did wife you... picks out for him every day that he admitted that she runs that ship, too? Well, yeah, I mean, but that's that's fine because if if, if him left to his own devices is that bad, then you could see <laughs> then he her becomes uh, uh, Fitz, taking Fitzpatrick. Corrective measures. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not and I'm not saying that I have any personal experience with any <laughs> okay. you know, with, well, with a might, wife complaining about what I might have hit a chord there. Uh, sorry, it might hit one there. But, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if New York's really the the fit. I'm not I'm not really feeling Kirk Cousins at at the uh, Broadway, you know, the U.S. Open, or yeah. all the places that Aaron Rodgers was trying to hang out. I'm not feeling that. Uh, Dancing at the way, Taylor so. Swift concert? No, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, yeah, the other thing you'd have to look at too is, uh, I have to look this up because does, does Kirk Cousins have a no trade clause still? I can't remember if that was waived mm, or what. Good question. Yeah. Uh, two, March 22. So in March 22, Cousins agreed to send him to a one-year contract extension. And I think it had, it had a no trade clause. Um, there you go. So you, you just have to look at that. Now he he'd have to want to want to do it. So um, there's a few dots that would have to be connected, and a lot of body work that has to flow for the next three or four weeks. At yeah, I don't see it at all. And then Kirk, you know, I I, I believe that uh, I think it'll be a very interesting discussion for them in terms of what uh, in terms of what Kevin O'Connell wants to do at that position because you got to tell him as the offensive play caller what's Plan B. Yeah, they you know what, what are we going yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, you're right. He So he has a full no-trade clause, which means he'd have to approve it. He'd have to approve to the Jets. So, gotcha. Yeah, I think it is fantasy football, but uh, we'll see. Welcome to uh, sometimes uh, the worldwide leader. Well, well welcome to the GM's world, too, because yeah. the owners are listening to all that stuff, too. Yeah, no you, doubt. As a, as a GM, you've got to have the, the owners to come to you with stuff like that, right? All the time. I used to cringe when I would, and, and I loved Wayne Huizinga, God bless him. One of the best people I've ever been around. Former owner of the Dolphins. Former owner of the Dolphins. But I know he listened to the radio every day and read the paper every day. (laughs) Nothing against newspaper writers. I'm just saying. He would bring some ideas sometimes and you just, I would just cringe, you know. So yes, that's a factor in in managing and and communicating with your owner for sure. All right. We're going to go into the pick segment where Sando was one and one. I think his only victory, Sando, last week was the one one he stole from Mueller. (laughs) It was your pick when I realized what it was. So I lost on uh, Pittsburgh taking two and a half against the 49ers. What happened with that game? Holy mackerel. I was with you. Well, I thought it said Pittsburgh and 25. Uh, <laughs> okay. Pitts- Pittsburgh and 25, I would have won that. So just a little typo there. Okay. Uh, we both won on Jacksonville, minus five at Indy, although it was a little harder than we thought. Yep. And then you won on Green Bay, getting a point against Chicago. Wow. God, yep. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, you hear about people like who could have had Apple stock or something. Man, <laughs> if we should have gone back and bet about a million dollars on Green Bay with a point, <laughs> yeah, I know. if you sort of, I mean, it just seems so easy now. 
So uh, not too bad. What do you got for your picks this week? Well, normally I dread this section, and it has nothing to do with being 2-0 last week, but I loved some of the games that come up this week, and I love the point spread. So I'll probably go 0-3 because I have some conviction. Man, you're for going for three picks, man. You are, <laughs> for these you three are picks, feeling I'm feeling it, right? Three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to use the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So um, I'm going back with a couple teams that, that did well for me last week. Green Bay, the last I saw, was a point-and-a-half underdog in Atlanta. Oh, are you kidding yeah. me? That can't be right, right? That, that's that got to yeah. be messed up. I'm taking yeah. this bet and running, if that's the case. Um, Atlanta had a perfect matchup last week, I felt like. They imposed their running game will on the Panthers and I think pushed the Panthers around in a home win. Packers are a different story for me. Heck, if this chart was wrong and, and the Packers were favored by two or three, I'd probably still take the Packers. So I like Green Bay. Yeah. That's an easy one for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're a better team than than the uh, Falcons. Yeah. yeah. You want me to go through all three of mine? Yeah, go through yours. Yeah, go through yours. Yep. Completing that thought, I like the Saints giving three and a half as a road favorite or uh, as a road favorite in Carolina. I think the Saints defense is too good. They'll pressure young. I think Carolina struggles to run the ball. Um, I didn't like the personnel groupings that Frank Reich used last week. Not a giant Miles Sanders guy. I thought there was some softness there. Um, I don't think that they're going to be effective running that type of stuff against the Saints. Um, I think this dynamic will be worse because I think the Saints are more physical. Saints have playmakers on offense as well. So I like the Saints yeah. in Carolina, given the three points. And my third one, I'm going back to I'm going to the well that didn't do you good last week. The third game I like is I like Pittsburgh getting two and a half versus Cleveland. I wasn't impressed with Watson last week with the Browns. I know they ran for over 200 yards against Cincinnati. I get it. I thought Watson made plays with his legs, not in the passing game. That worries me a little bit. Um, I don't think this happens at Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh bounces back. So they're they're a home underdog, right? Pittsburgh, 2.5. Yes, they are. So I'm like, on that yeah. as well. So yeah, I yeah. like Pittsburgh. So I watched all of Deshaun Watson's passes too and just thought, man, I'm looking for a sign of life here. I'm looking yeah. for something good. I didn't see it either. Just can't can't find it. It just doesn't look good. So that was an amazing for them to win twenty four to three. You'd think, oh wow, you know, uh great great win and it was, but it was kind of a defensive win. Do you think are you what do you think about them defensively with uh, you know, Jim Schwartz or is it just too early? Because that was that was a pretty good you know, I don't know that we were all saying a week ago Burrow would be that bad. No, I think they did some things to kind of trick uh, the Bengals. Yeah. I think Jim Schwartz has been around long enough to know that whatever I'm going to do with the opening week, I will not show any of that throughout preseason at all. So the first yeah. week is always somewhat of a what's behind door number one that nobody knows. So it's some yeah. guesswork by coaches, guesswork by game plan, guesswork by schemes. So I think it worked. We'll see if long yeah. run, if it works. Now there's at least one game film for, yep. for people to look at. Yeah. All right, well, I'll pick three games as well. The, our only overlap is I'll, I'll stick with Pittsburgh, even though uh, it didn't work out for me last last week. I'm going to go with them getting two points uh, at uh, you know against Cleveland, and we'll see what the Browns can do. But uh, I didn't like the Cam Hayward injury, obviously, yeah. for him on Pittsburgh, and then just for their team. I mean, I, I part of me was wondering, but then you have Cleveland losing Jack Conklin for the year, right, the uh, tackle, so... Yeah. Uh, both teams suffered tough losses in the first game of people up front for them that they're really counting on. I will take Pittsburgh there. I'm going to take the Giants giving four uh, at Arizona. It's interesting to me that Jonathan Gannon, uh, the head coach of the Cardinals, who comes from the Eagles, 
is playing the NFC schedule. He starts against Washington, now he gets the Giants. So, you know, I think they did a better job, Arizona did, against the Washington than people probably thought they would. Everyone's got them ticketed for the, you know, the first pick in the draft. Uh, but I do like the Giants to bounce back uh, and, and maybe win by more than four there. My last one is... I'll just take Washington. I get I get three and a half with Washington against Denver. This is just a little bit more of a probably a vote against Denver, a vote for Washington's defense, uh, the guys up front to get after Russell Wilson, make it tough for him, uh, and we'll see if the three and a half points are needed and help me. But what do you think, there, uh, Mr. GM? Do you, do you like my picks? Do you not like the picks? I need some, you know, need some encouragement from the guy who's undefeated. I like your reasoning for sure because I hadn't thought through the Jonathan Gannon deal, but that makes sense. That's an advantage that he knows those people very well. I guess they'll know him somewhat yeah. too. But I, I do think that's an advantage for Arizona. Um, and I'm with you on the Denver Washington one. It's not so much that I think Washington has it sorted out. It's more of a skepticism still with Denver, especially offensively, what they're going to get from Russell. And I knew know that Washington's defense is capable of rushing the quarterback. Now, they didn't do a ton of that last week in a win over Arizona. Maybe they will this week. So I would have a little less conviction for that pick maybe than you, but I can understand your reasoning yeah, keep, for sure. Keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. That's yep. what they got to do. Keep him in the pocket and make it tough for him. And we'll see if they can do that. I think it's a game that could set up well for their defense. So those are our picks. Thanks we're long, everybody. We're long-winded today, Mikey. I mean, we might. Well, that's why. We're, we're, that's because we're on a roll. We're pressing well, our I luck mean, today. Our listeners probably are snoozing by no, now. So I think it went fast. I think it went fast. We had to cut out segments. We didn't even talk about a couple of these things. So I think that's always a good sign when you got more stuff than you can even get to. I don't think we hung up on any of them too long. Everybody, you can find Randy and you can find me at The Athletic. Make sure you download the app. You can find us on X, former Twitter, at Randy Mueller underscore. That's Randy's. And mine, at Sando NFL. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, too, everybody. This was the Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast.